Dimelang Avusheni and hello, hi, I'm Zanzi. Welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a No Hold Spot podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. I'm your host, Nolutando Ngakani, and I'm here to hold your hand as you seek the answers to those pussy bumps and suspicious lumps you dare not speak of in public. This podcast is a safe space. With September comes new beginnings and a new attitude. This year has really flown by and I can't believe that I have three more months of PMS to go through. The erratic moods, the tender boobs and the constant craving of carbs I just can't deal. Just like this friend in crisis who wrote us this letter. Hi, I suspect that I might have PMDD and I can't even bring myself to get help right now. Because at the worst part of the month, right before my period, I'll see a doctor after I feel a little better. Does anyone have tips and experiences that can help me? How do I know if it is even PMDD? I'd really appreciate some help. Don't worry, Anonza, my baby. We've got the answers that you seek. While PMS is well known and affects about 75% of women, Premenstrual dysphoric disorder is a recognized clinical mental health condition and affects up to 5% of women. Now, before we get into it, I'd like to clarify that it's best that you first consult your doctor to get an official diagnosis for premenstrual disorder. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder is a condition so severe that it was classified in 2013 as a mood disorder in Psychology's Diagnostic Bible. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. The illness is marked by symptoms such as lethargy, irritability, and sudden mood changes which typically show up in the two weeks between the start of ovulation and when menstruation begins. This week, we're joined by Lucy Pearl Kofi, an award-winning South African activist. Lucy is a researcher in medical anthropology and public health. She is also the founder of Infundo Enle, an organization which advocates for access to equal education. Lucy's advocacy has reached disadvantaged communities and she uses her knowledge, skills and educational background to empower women and youth in disadvantaged communities. Our first question to you then, Lucy, is what is premenstrual dysphoric disorder and how prevalent is PMDD in South Africa? So when we are looking into premenstrual dysphoric disorder, known as a PMDD, and a lot of people, they normally confuse it with premenstrual syndrome because of how the symptoms occur or appear. So we know that when it comes to premenstrual syndrome, the symptoms, it's like you can manage your daily life. For example, if one has cramps, you know, that's how I actually unpack it to school or high school students or primary students. So they have an idea of the basic stuff. You know, you have these normal menstrual cramps or your mood, you feel like I don't want to talk to anyone, I'm exhausted, the nausea, and all of these common things. People will tell you it's mostly the first day or the two days before your period. They've normalized having those things, but you get to some other people who are getting the same symptoms, but the severity of those symptoms, they are not as normal premenstrual syndrome. It's something else. 
And that's where we come in and say, in this case, if your symptoms are severe, but it's PMS symptoms, but they are severe, which means you have an underlying factor and it's likely that it can be the PMDD as well. So it's classified as a mental disorder, but there are so many controversies around classifying it as a mental disorder. So according to the DMS-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and psychologists know this very well, that's how they diagnose us with all of these disorders. So it's classified there. So it's an official classification as a mental disorder. And also the severity that comes with it and the symptoms are quite often and approximately three to eight of all menstruators, they have symptoms of MDD and some of them are not diagnosed and some of them, they have normalized that pain that comes with MDD. And you find some women when they're having their period, right? They'll be laying down on the floor, they can't do anything. So if your period gets to a point that it's affecting your daily activity, it's not supposed to be like that. There is an underlying factor. It's either it's MDD or it's under-related chronic conditions such as endometriosis and any other condition out there. Lucy, you say it differs from PMS. Can we talk about what symptoms are common with PMDD and stuff? So the symptoms you get a person would say, I have this anxiety. You know, when you are just tired, guys, you had a long day and you feel like I'm tired and I feel so anxious in my daily activities. Maybe you have a daily job at nine to five. You feel like, yes, I'm here at work, but I'm not really here. But those people can manage to show up at work. And with the food cravings, they will tell you I'm craving for this and this. Even if I don't get that food, it's fine. I'm feeling hopeless, but the most thing when it comes to premenstrual syndrome, must pay attention to the mental component of things. Such example, the depression level. If you feel so depressed, you drain and everything, but you can still show up, man. It's manageable, that type of thing. So that falls under PMS, which is premenstrual syndrome, and it's normal. But if you get to the point that, you know, I feel so depressed to the point that I cannot concentrate. I cannot even show up for myself. I'm here at work. I'm trying to work. I can't concentration level. I'm not productive. The sadness, it gets to you. People will tell you, I got so sad to the point that I thought about all the wrong things that are happening in my life to the point that I wanted to commit suicide. You get now the extreme side of thing while the PMS, it's giving you the light symptoms, which are manageable on a daily basis. But when you get to PMDD, you get to symptoms that are severe and you're not able to function. You know, I always advise menstruators, if any symptom that comes with menstruation, it's affecting your daily life, you're not able to function or to do your daily activities like you used to do, something is not right there. You cannot sit at home and say, it's that time of the month, let me just relax, I'll be fine tomorrow. And we have normalized all these extreme or severe symptoms and we like, okay, menstruation comes with so much pain. Even the menstrual cramps and the pains, they're not supposed to be that severe to the point that now we have to sleep the whole day to the point that now you are crying the whole day because you feel like something is cutting you or it's like you're giving birth. When it comes to these symptoms, we have normalized wrong things in the name of menstruation comes with pain and you're a woman, you must embrace pain and all of that. So guys, please check on your mental health. Yes, we know that PMS comes with all of these depression, anxiety, sadness, and all of that. 
But please, even the anger level, some people, they get extremely angry when they are experiencing the PMDT symptoms. And, and it's not normal. They can see that this is being out of character. Even the insomnia thing, I'm like, yo, guys, I can't. I can't even concentrate. It's not normal. So don't normalize unnormal things, please. And also another important thing, these symptoms, they are persistent in their PMDD. With PMS, they just happen, then it goes. It's like a wind, come and go. That side, they continue. Some of them, they'll continue consistently for the entire week. And it, it's getting worse every day. So that's not normal. Please. Don't normalize abnormal things. I like that. Thank thing. you. With PMDD, what are some treatment options that are available for women then? So there are different treatments available, but in most cases, because it's not one shoe fit all approach, how Lucy's body operates is different from your body, it's different from Tando's body. We need to bear that in mind. I've heard people who are talking on menstrual related stuff that will tell you, you use this and that and that and that. So what I normally advise audience is to go seek help. Then when you are with the healthcare provider, they will present a list of options for you based on your medical history. Very important. Based on the previous diagnosis you have, some people are living with depression. Some people are living with all these mental disorders. So that also comes in play. In most cases, people get antidepressants when they are diagnosed or whether with depression or with anxiety and all of those things. But in most of the PMDD symptoms, they lead to actual depression or anxiety and a chronic mental disorder at the end of the day. But some people, they go to health workers and then they give you oral contraceptive. You know, they are contraceptive that can balance your hormones and also it assists in terms of managing and balancing the mood, how you're feeling and how it's impacting, how you operate and function. So if your healthcare provider decide that oral contraceptives are good for you, and also it's important to consider after effect of these things that you are taking, some people, they look into their lifestyle. How are you eating? Do you exercise? How do you manage stress? We have people who prioritize yoga, who prioritize all these different mechanisms that people deal with stress. And some people are spiritual people. They believe that if they are not okay, they have depression and whatever, they go and seek some spiritual intervention or traditional intervention. So when I come to people, I prioritize a holistic approach. Whatever you are believing in, if you have a spiritual side of things, you have a traditional side of things, you have a herbal side of things, and you have a Western side of thing, it's best to integrate whatever that works for you and seek guidance because there are people who have these conditions and are not really using any medication such as antidepressant, but they have ways of managing the condition, which is working for them. And you have people who opt for Western medicine and it's working for them, which is good. And some people also look into which product am I using? It's kindly having an impact, especially when it comes to Hormones, guys, your hormones are just all over the place. Hormones can mess you up, can mess your day up, can mess your week up. So people also consult dietitians. What else can I eat that will contribute in boosting my hormonal balance? Or what supplements can I take? Not because of this condition, but the most important thing is to see a healthcare provider. If they refer you to a psychologist or a counselor, they will do so based on the assessment and please do not self-diagnose yourself. I know you guys, 
You just go on Google and say, I have this symptom and symptom and Google will pop something there. And in most cases, you misdiagnose yourself and you start now having the fear of having this chronic condition or this mental disorder while you don't even have it. So it's very important to get the help first before you can diagnose yourself. And also we have some uh, therapeutic behavioral therapy as well. So psychologists will speak on this, where you focus on where's the pain, where's the muscle, where's the headache, and you shift your attention to that and all of these things. So if you need a psychological entire well-being to assist you, you can reach out to a psychologist or clinical psychologist, counseling psychologist. They are different type of them. Reach out to what works for you. But seeking help is the main important thing. Because if a psychologist notices that, okay, this is not a real psychological matter, it requires medical attention, they will refer you to a GP or a gynecologist or anyone relevant to what you need. So very important. Why is there so much controversy that surrounds PMDD? Firstly, I will start from a research point of view. We are still having issues around why PMDD is classified as a mental disorder. Why is in the DSM-5? And some scholars believe that, yes, there is evidence indicating that this is a mood disorder, while others, they are saying the evidence firstly is not clear for this thing to be classified as a mood disorder. And we know the stigmas and taboos around mental health issues and disorders. So they did not want to bring this component of DMDD into that stigma because now the stigma that is surrounding PMDD, it's mainly about it's a mental disorder. So it had to occur all the other issues that comes with depression, bipolar, uh, schizophrenic, and all of that, especially in an African context. If someone is suffering from a mental disorder, there's so many stigmas around your condition and all of that. But we have other scholars who are saying it's a good thing that it's under PMDD because a lot of women will get the attention that they need and they will get the psychological help because if it comes with severe depression, with severe anxiety and all of this, you need an element of psychological help so that your overall world will be fine than giving you medication and all of that. So we have to go beyond and also, of course, apply therapeutic techniques and approaches to make sure that your well-being is fine. So there are validity issues there and there. People are questioning and all of that. But when we come to the society, we have so much stigma, as I've mentioned, when it comes to disorders and all of that. Also, when it comes to menstruation as a biological process, we have so much stigma around that. And we have this notion of normalizing pain. You know, especially when it comes to women and women's related condition. That thing that you're so strong, even when it comes to giving birth type of things. We've normalized a pain to the point that even teenagers, when they're having extremely excruciating periods, they think that's fine. That's how it's supposed to be. It shows that you are woman enough and you can handle pain. And all of these things are so not true. So in order for us to deal with these controversies and make sure that every chronic condition related to menstruation or sexual reproductive health is dealt with and it's get enough attention. So currently right now in South Africa, there is a call for the government to incorporate menstrual health rights into law so that all of these things can be taken care of and there's a legislation around when someone is having one, two, three, and four, what's next, and all of that, which is a procedure 
that is needed globally because women are struggling. All these conditions, they come with so much that is taking out of us, like we're losing so much just because we're having a period. Let's normalize having safe conversation around menstruation, around disorders that comes with menstruation, around chronic illnesses that comes with menstruation. Raise awareness to uplift individuals to make sure that we know what's going on in our bodies and we can get the appropriate help that we need. What are some factors that can contribute to being diagnosed with PMDD then? So in some of the in some of the cases, some people actually have a history of mental disorders, right? And trust me, in life, everything is a trigger. If you have that background history, as I was saying, that when you are being diagnosed, it's very important that they look into your medical history. What have you been struggling with? What have you been diagnosed with before? And how that is connected to the, the recent condition that you currently have. So medical practitioners and our psychologists and all of these other people, they consider that very well because it's well connected. And some people, this thing, they will trace it through genealogy in their family that in our family line, we have been getting all women. They have this extremely PMS, which is not PMS in this case, as PMDD or in other cases, it's actually endometriosis or fibroids or any other condition. But there's also this genealogy type of thing that connects to people it, it contributes also as well as a factor and also very important what we eat the change of diets nowadays if we look back to be honest women in the 80s 70s and whatever decades ago the conditions that they used to face are different from the conditions that we are facing right now it's not because there was no awareness or they were not sure what things but even the food they used to eat and some of those old women when we have interviews with them they will tell you that we used to have raw herbs, things we boil and we drink, and we used to be so healthy and everything. But nowadays, the food that we eat, the medication that we take, the supplements that we take, and all of these rates are increased if you compare to those decades ago. And I think it's something that we need to sit down and have this conversation. What has led us to having these courses at different factors, you know, escalating, intensifying all of these disorders? Because yes, these things were there, but they were not intense. We agree on that. But in our generation, even you find a 10-year-old is having hectic stuff, you're like, sure, during my time, things were not this way. Even when it comes to HIVs and infections, things were not as they are now. So we need to do introspection and really look into how can we actually prevent such things going forward. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Lucy. For more on premenstrual dysphoric disorder, visit healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical bind and looking for a shoulder to cry on, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. Alternatively, you can shoot us a WhatsApp on 076-1320454. I would never blue tick you, baby! Hey guys, Lucy didn't mince her words when she said that we need to start being unafraid to have tough conversations about women's health. Some women have even described PMDD feelings as if a switch had been flicked to turn them into a different person in the next week before their menstrual period, feeling out of control and responding to events that wouldn't usually upset them 
with extremes of anger, tears, or even violent behavior. But that brings us to the end of episode 57 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. From me, Lulu Nakani. Have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.